Today's episode of Cinema Gush is brought to you by a little trope called Chekhov's Boomerang. I'm sure you've heard of Chekhov's gun, or if you haven't, here's the advice. If you say it in the first chapter, that there's a rifle hanging on the wall, in the second or third chapter, it absolutely must go off. If it's not going to be fired, it shouldn't be hanging there. So what's Chekhov's boomerang, you wonder? It's kind of like that, where something serves its purpose once and then goes away for a long time, only to come back when it's really needed. Like Lead Bubble in Mega Man 2, which is mostly entirely useless until you hit the final boss, or maybe the resin in Uncharted 2. Or maybe, just maybe, it's the way that R2-D2 uses the hologram of Leia to pull Luke into helping Rey in the cult classic Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi. Uh, if you haven't seen that hidden gem yet, you need to. It's universally loved by all, especially us here at Cinema Gush. We hope you've had your tetanus shot, because Chekhov's boomerang is coming around. Please watch where you step when going down the stairs. Oh my gosh, that nail. Oh. No, sorry, sorry about that, folks. Uh, enjoy this week's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another episode of Cinema Gush. I'm Nick. You're here joined by Brendan. Hey. And today we have a very special guest, David Linz. He's got a book coming out that we'll talk about later on the show. He's just a renaissance man. He's actually one of the reasons why we even have this podcast in the first place. Thanks to years and years ago, the most excellent number one rated iTunes podcast of all time, The David and Craig Show. David, how are you doing today? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I don't know if I'd say the number one podcast of all time because I heard there's something about cinemas and gushing and all of that that's come out since and just <laughs> it's, it's completely it's the news it's a big deal yeah completely eclipsed anything that we ever did but honestly guys it's it's an honor and a privilege to uh, be with you today really happy well, to we're have stuck you to have you here man yeah we are busy com- we are busy uh fighting against uh, father mike schmidt's bible Linear podcast which is number one all year long yeah. but that's what my dad listens to not this podcast but that one you know that's oh. that's the that's the way it works. That's yep. the way it works. Uh, no, when no, someone hears your voice all the time, they don't listen to your podcast. That's yep. yeah, I get it. It's okay. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Uh, well, David is here to gush about one of his favorite films, A Quiet Place. David, you are free to just tell everybody why this movie is amazing to you. But before you're too free, there's one thing I have to ask because we talked about this in the last episode. Um, with Professor and the China Syndrome. How did you see this movie for the first time? Were you in the theaters? Was it the drive-in? Was it at home? What was your experience like the very first time you saw it? It was in the movie theaters, which I think played strongly into how much I absolutely loved the film. So you didn't have any issues with an audience not being able to be quiet, uh, awkward teenagers, anything being noisy. Like the movie demands attention and I couldn't help but think, and Brennan, I know we talked about this already, but just when I saw I Am Legend in theaters, that killed the Friday night premiere for me because the audience could not take the silence. What was your experience like? Oh, that, that's exactly why I think this is such a great piece of cinema because <laughs> I was afraid to eat popcorn because I was pretty sure I was going to summon a murder-killed beast that would kill the entire family in front of me. Did, did you guys hear that theaters had a decrease in popcorn sales because of this movie? Like, they were bummed out about it? No! Yeah, there's a that's notable decrease in popcorn sales at this movie. I I, I could completely understand that. It was one of those films where I wanted the popcorn, each kernel, to melt in my mouth before I would swallow it. Because, I, you know, hey, if Krasinski's going to die, it's not on me, man. So that was, <laughs> that was kind of what happened for me. Oh goodness. Okay, I just I had to ask that. It was the very first thing I wrote down because, you know, just the silence aspect of it is so excellent. Like it definitely demands that you pay attention to the screen. It demands that you don't do anything else. Like you have to genuinely pay attention to what's going on because any amount of noise or distractions will just take you completely out of the experience. But I was lucky to see this at home with nobody around. This is your first viewing, right? This was my very first viewing. Um, as I was explaining earlier, anything that is slightly scary uh, does not fly in my house, so I have to generally watch thrillers and horrors alone. I'm not a big thriller horror guy. I only watch them on Halloween or in the month of October. Uh, is that the same for you, David? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not a big horror movie person because typically, and again, this is a little bit of foreshadowing, typically I can't stand the characters so Honestly, with the knowledge that they're not real, I could care less if they die. I'm kind of rooting for it most of the time, which is another thing that sets this movie apart. So can I ask, when, you're, when you saw this in theaters, was the audience 
out of the gate quiet, or did they have to get into it? Because when I when I saw it, it was like they weren't quite sure what to do with all the silence. It was noisy for a bit, and then that first twist in the first five minutes hits, and they shut up for the rest of the night. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, I think they were getting there. Um, if if you don't mind me kind of jumping into the beginning. Yeah, let's uh, do it, please. Go okay. right ahead. Yep. So I, there are spoilers. I've seen your, or listened to your podcast, so I know spoilers yep. are fine. We can talk about everything, yep. Otherwise, I don't know how the heck oh, yeah. even to get into this. So, yeah. You already mentioned Krasinski's dead, so. <laughs> I, I said if, I said if. Anyway, <laughs> trying to be careful. All right, so yeah, this first this first scene, you're seeing these feet that are walking so carefully through a through a dystopian drugstore, which immediately gives you that flashback to anybody who's ever tried to sneak across a hardwood floor late at night, going to the bathroom and not waking their entire families up. <laughs> Except this time, again, murder, death, kill, monster. Um, and then you know you you've, you. Then are drawn into it more, at least I am. I've got a three and a half year old who you might hear later. I apologize if it happens. But so you see this helpless, poor, sick child. Um, they're, I guess their middle child. So you're drawn into it that way as a, as a parent or somebody with, I don't know, human emotion. And then there's the stakes of making the noise that are really ratcheted up when the sister first catches the space shuttle that's falling. And then moments later, where he's holding the space shuttle, the, the youngest kid, again, and they treat it like a live grenade. Yeah. You, know, you see them like, okay, everybody, nobody move quickly, and Krasinski's just moving in slow motion. I'm just going to call him Krasinski. I'm sorry. And uh, um, so immediately, it, like I think at that point, when he took the space shuttle from the kid, I think is when the movie theater I was in was like, whoa. What something is about to blow up here. Something's about to go. Sure, you sure. know, and they had no idea how right they were, <laughs> because yeah. Uh, then you're just taking a nice little beautiful, uh, well, um, well filmed walk through the woods. Beautiful, you know, little bridge. You know, walking down your uh, railroad tracks. Everybody loves this. And then you know. Um, what did they say? Don't show the shark until the end. Well, uh, they didn't get the memo. Uh, yeah, right. Because <laughs> this, 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 yeah, the the sound goes off, and they turn around, and the panic and the everything. I just, um, I don't know. Uh, I thought in a way that was beautiful because it it sent the message right away that it's about these monsters, these aliens, whatever the heck they are. But it's not. Um, you're going to see him right away because we don't want it all to be about that reveal. It's about this family, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. And uh, it just it gets into it so quick. And by the way, I've 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 heard so many uh, issues that people take with this movie, and I'm going to knock a few of them down. They don't cover everything. You know, there's a newspaper that says, it's the noise, you know, where I was going, okay, you didn't quite have to do that. Plus, if these things strike as fast as we all have seen at this point that they strike, now that, spoiler alert, the youngest kid is gone. um, I I don't think anybody's really working the printing presses after that, but whatever, you know. (laughs) I had the same thought. Well, it's a... Yeah, it's a great. I'll tell you what, though. It's as you know, as writers, we're often looking for ways to get exposition across, right. and then this movie does this so well with all the different headlines. And the I will say this: was it was the New York Post, so that well, works, I guess. And the thing is, is, you know, it's, we can nitpick some of the mechanics of the movie. Right. I mean, some of the biology of the aliens doesn't make a lot of sense. There's some things here and there, but that's not the point. The point right. is, you got to suspend your disbelief and just accept these are the rules. And if you do that, what a treat! Yeah, yeah. There you yes, go. Yes. Yeah, I mean, exactly, I'll admit, yeah. I, I, I'm confessing almost like it's a guilty thing. I enjoy me some Armageddon. Okay. Oh sure, and sure. Yeah. If you can't, if you can't suspend a little disbelief, you know, good luck. Um, <laughs> but, but I will say that they cover a lot of the nitpicky things over the course of this film. For example, right off the bat, why in the world is that kid in the back? Okay, well, they already disarmed him, they thought, before Big Sister kind of messed things up. Uh, They're a little distracted because they have a really, really sick child, a different child who's really, really sick. So they're kind of 
focused on that. And the little one, you know, he knows where to go. He's following. They looked back, made sure he was following. Um, so there's a lot of things like that. Uh, even one of the things about the sand, where are they getting all the sand from? Well, they, they, they shoot right after uh, the title frame, the daughter laying in this gigantic mound of sand that they have. So they're like, all right, it's there. Um, somebody said something about, well, the generator would be awfully loud, wouldn't it? There's a shot. I didn't notice you... <laughs> until this time. I, that, that bothered me in the past. I finally, go ahead. Okay. So you saw the solar panels on, yeah. the, on the roof. Yeah. So they're, they're taking care of a lot of things, but they're not hitting you over the head with it. It's like, if you're paying attention, you're going to see a lot of this stuff. So anyway, okay. So yeah, the crushing heartbreak of that space shuttle noise and the kid just being taken and they do it in such a way that it's not um i don't even know how to say it it just rips your heart out but it's it's not graphic you know um i thought it was really well done the looks on the faces of the mother and the sister and even krasinski as he's running you know (laughs) is just it's amazing and then boom they just they just skip forward um and, and honestly, at that point, I'm thinking, this is the most messed up emotionally, messed up opening to a movie I've seen since Up. You know? <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> Has anyone ever compared Up to A Quiet Place? No, here we go. <laughs> I, have to, I have to gush real quick about the batteries, just being on the counter. There's something in writing called Chekhov's Gun. I mean, it might be the trope that we talk about later, uh-huh. but just like, I thought, again, first time seeing this, I thought when the kid grabbed the batteries, I'm like, oh, this will be something at the very end of the film. That will cause trouble. Not three minutes later, you know? <laughs> and then, like you said, the cut to black and then boom. Uh, we're like, like, what, 400 days later or something, I think? It's about just just under a year, right? I, I don't even, I don't remember. But, but a substantial long, time, yeah. yeah. Yes, it was long enough that um, <laughs> ticking clock, uh, there's a pregnant woman, you know? So, and she's pretty far along. Um, that that is one nasty ticking clock that they have introduced to this uh, this whole plot. Um, and let's see, let's uh, oh yeah. Um, speaking of tropes, by the way, they do complete you know a few of them in this, like the birds flying away when something scary is about to happen. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love the, the birds flying out of the cornfield. I, I was like, yes, you nailed it. Um, <laughs> But I'm being so nitpicky because I love this film so deeply. Okay, so the way they touch on things that are particularly touching to me now, having lived through COVID-19, where I now recognize uh, how much I miss hugging people, how much I miss um, going to a sporting event, being surrounded by thousands of people. Heck, being in a movie theater where I'm surrounded on opening night by a whole bunch of people who are all reacting to the right thing at the right time. (laughs) Which I think is a good place to say I'm so glad they delayed A Quiet Place 2 because of how great a movie experience this is. It belongs in a theater, Mm -hmm. which you should do, Nick, when you get a chance. (laughs) I bring that up because there's a scene early on, right at the beginning of the movie, where the son is sitting behind a truck that he'll probably never get to use. And the, the young son. And he's playing almost like he's driving the truck. He's behind the steering wheel. And he looks sad. And it's because he recognizes his world is never going to be what he expected it to be. Mm-hmm. And they, 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 they think of this, you know, which now seems like a common sense sort of a thing. But... but you know, we see it, the truth of it now on the, on the hopefully, you know, my lips to God's ears back end of COVID-19, mm-hmm. but they recognize all of the crazy things, you know, that, that they're not going to be able to experience again unless something crazy happens. Like, you know, the human voice in a regular conversation, a concert, driving a car, riding a bicycle, you know, screaming to one of your friends, all these things are gone. And they, they actually acknowledge that. What kind of horror movie is this? Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I even little touches like uh, Krasinski shaves over a towel, so when the water falls, it falls onto a towel. 
There's there's yeah. all of these little touches that they make sure they take care of. The Monopoly dice um, on the carpet, the instead of using yes. like little metal figurines. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even when the, um, the later on when the deaf girl gets really angry, she throws something like incredibly soft, so it makes no noise. <laughs> right, Towards right. the end, I didn't notice this before, but Krasinski loads the shotgun under a blanket, and I, yes. I, I love yep. that. Yep. That's another one. Um, there's there's just I mean there's so many things like that in here, um, and then. I gotta say this because this is set in Iowa. That's not where they filmed it, but it's set in rural Iowa. And so I love the fact that there's a gratuitous prayer scene. Uh, I love you know? that scene so much. Yeah. It was just, there, it's so well done. It, it you, you, I feel like you know the family there. They, they trust each other, they know what they're doing, they come together. Yeah, that's that's it's a proper representation that I think is way too rare um, of quote unquote middle America. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a really good shot that these people would say their prayers around the table. Um, And it and it does. It drives home the love of this family. Even in the prayer scene, I remember uh, the mom with her thumb while she's holding whoever's hand she's holding rubs their hand with her thumb. You know, yeah. um, it, so it occurred to me beautiful. this time when they did the prayer scene that they hold hands, they close their eyes, and they all let go at the same time, which means they're reciting something together in their head at the oh, same exact time. I didn't time. catch that. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So there's there's so much of that, and I think one of the things that puts this movie over the top for me is is the fact that the two leads are married in real life, and I think there's some acting going on there that's not acting. I read where um, during the Neil Young Harvest Moon shared uh, earbud scene, while they were recording it, um, they both looked up and realized they were both crying genuinely at the exact same moment. Um, You know, so uh, it's just all of that obvious love um, going on there. Um, Also, uh, so we're we're at the part of the film now where you, you hear the heartbeat, right? Which takes me to the biggest complaint you hear from people about this film. How crazy irresponsible were these two that they brought a child into the world given everything that's going on? Yeah. And that absolutely drove me insane because what you're suggesting is it's more responsible for the human race to commit slow suicide by nobody bringing life into the world than actually trying. Uh, You know, because... What I, what I, when I was reflecting on this today, because I, I did my homework, boys. Uh, <laughs> life matters. Life is beautiful. Life flourishes in the most dangerous of places. And to quote Dr. Ian Malcolm, life finds a way. Oh, so, yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's it's, it's got to happen. Why wouldn't it happen with a family that's better prepared for this um, than virtually anyone else by the by the the combination of their rural you know, uh, where they live and, and their daughter, so knowing sign language, um, they're as prepared as anybody could be. Hey folks, this is Nick just jumping in really quick. We had some technical issues, so the next two minutes are cut out just because I don't want to blow your eardrums out. So, sorry about that. Back to the show. More, more importantly, both of the writers who are who are pretty darn young guys, they met at film school, I believe in Iowa, and that is where they're from. Like, I believe they're both raised in Iowa, and that's why they set the movie there. Um, and I could gush about the yeah. script being like incredibly short and that finding the way into, you know, John and Emily's hands and all this different stuff. But I mean, that's just where the writers are from. So, you know, right, you, write right. what I think know. You, you need to give credit though. Some of the reasons why the people are the way they are is because the director wanted this to be a family movie and stuck his wife in there and got kids to match. And mm-hmm. it just, it's, it's, yeah. it's, that's why it comes off as so authentic. Yes. 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 It's him. And, it's, I mean, he's, like you said, he's not acting in a lot of scenes. Right. Uh, okay. Cheap plug, and then we'll get to it eventually. But my, my, my book is set in Skull Valley, Arizona. It's a very rural place. I've gone there. I fictionalized it slightly. But uh, I found, I found an, an older gentleman, we'll put it that way, who was willing to talk to me a little bit. And, um, for example, I asked him about the local population, and I said, what's the political makeup of the local population in Skull Valley. Is it, you know, how how Republican, Democrat? And he just started laughing. And he said, son up here, it's, you know, it's it's about 98% Republican. 
Um, and even that's considered a little liberal. And I went, <laughs> okay, you know. So, so there are places. Now, if I was to go to, I don't know, West Hollywood, I'm guessing it would be the other way around, you know. So are you going to be accurate to where you are or are you going to, you know. So anyway, that's, mm. that's enough of that. Sorry. Um, the interaction between the father and daughter. I want to go off on this for a second yes. if you'll, you'll let me. Mm-hmm. Over the hearing aid. Okay, this moment where he's trying to convince her to try another hearing aid and she doesn't want to um, hit me so hard because um, there is a scenario that happens in real life where there's someone who wants the other to keep fighting and the other is just tired and exhausted and broken from beating their head against the wall. It happens with, um, as an adoptive parent, I can say it happens with infertility. Mm -hmm. It happens with cancer treatment. It happens with the biggest, most heartbreaking things in the world. And this is what they nail here. Yes. Um, is he wants so bad for her to keep trying because he's, he's just positive. And you see later how long and how many different ways he's tried to make this work so that she can hear. And she's just done. You know, you can only bang your head against the wall so long before you're bloody. And that's what she's trying to get across to him. And it's just genuinely done. And again... Let me remind you, we're talking about a horror movie here. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. I, I, I think we have to also comment on how great it is they cast someone who's legitimately deaf because she brings yes. a likewise is an she honesty really? to the film. She is, yep. yeah. And there's yep. an honesty to her performance that you just can't fake. Yeah. It's, the way she signs to him, she is emoting with her hands in a way that you just don't see, and it's so powerful. Yeah, I, I will plug mm-hmm. my own show here with Long Walks on the Beach. When we had uh, one of our episodes um, where there's a twist that a character actually is deaf and there's a whole bunch of sign language going on, I had to help um, the actress and the actor learn ASL, and so we had a translator. And um, what she did with this performance, like you're saying, Brendan, just the way that she would emphasize things, they would add it into the, sublight, the subtitle. So it was like, uh, it won't work. It period won't period work period. Like yeah. she's yep. assuming just that. Just stop. Yeah. And we will talk later more about that with the final payoff of that. But just like, yes, that moment, everybody has dealt with it. It is a universal emotion of just like, it won't work. This won't work. This try won't work. But his tenacity to keep going. And finally he just hands her the reins and he gives her the decision to say, it's, it's up to you if you will try or not. And I believe if his character had survived, well, I'm not going to do the spoiler thing. If he had survived and it didn't work, he would continue to try despite her efforts of trying or not. Right. And, and um, just to further the point, Krasinski did say in every interview that he, he was asked, he said it was a non-negotiable. That was going to be a, um, a, a, an actress who was deaf and they just hit jackpot that they found one who was so spectacular. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, she was amazing. See, I, I, I get what you're saying about Emily Blunt, but man, it's hard for me to say that she didn't deserve the Oscar on that one. You're right. You're right. I would agree. I think Oscars generally are more afraid of horrors, thrillers. Well, okay, not thrillers. Hedgecock won a bunch. Sci-fi in general. Horror, yeah, sci-fi, and comedy are just ignored, I would say. Not to go off on that tangent, like Emily Blunt did win. I believe she won the SAG Actress Award for this movie. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I would agree. Like, it's... It's something that they tend to try. It's all fixed anyway. It's all fixed. I won't go into politics yeah. about the Oscars. It's all fixed. It's all crap. Sorry, David. Continue. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's Ricky Gervais touched on that yeah. when he, he he said, "Of course you show up because you know it was bought for you." So yeah, yeah. Tom Hanks um, meme from that is my favorite of last year. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but okay, so sticking with the the daughter theme, they they skip to the son being afraid to go with his dad on a fishing outing, but then they come back to the daughter, and in private she tries one more time, and the the subsequent heartbreak of like, you know, she she dared to open her heart to the possibility it might work one more time, and um, that again, so many people um, could just feel that moment. Um, and then they introduced the second ticking clock into the uh, into the story, which is the one that was the most horrific for me, and that is the nail Seriously. on the steps. Oh my gosh, the nail on the step! Huh. Uh, since since uh, James Khan was hobbled, have I not been so freaked out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh um, okay. 
And then um, I, I'm going to go off on this for a second, too, and I'm going to be real quick. Uh, so they go to the waterfall, right? And they can yell, mm -hmm. woohoo, cool. So I read somebody who was like, well, why didn't they just go build a house by the waterfall? Yeah, because that wouldn't make any noise, and that wouldn't be difficult, and that wouldn't be wet, and that wouldn't but be... really <laughs> sanitary, right? Right! There's like a billion reasons why they're already set up perfectly. Don't mess with it. Yeah, they're in a um, house that was already built. You're talking about building a house. Like, oh, my gosh. If you want to go... think that some of the people... I think one of the reasons you get a lot of these nitpicks is when movies get popular, people just get contrarian. That's it. It's like that's it. so many people have seen it and you're told you're going to love it because we suspend our disbelief so easily on so many movies. Mm -hmm. People are just being difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's cool to be in the minority. So you just, yeah. <laughs> um, you, you're like, oh, oh, you all like this? Well, um, waterfall. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> So anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, there was, oh, but the, the one funny thought I had, because sometimes, you know, I have issues. I was like, I, I can't help, though, if they did like a little spoof on this, wonder how long the aliens or monsters attacked the waterfall before they were like, okay, we just look silly. It's not doing anything, <laughs> you know, um, and then moved on. But, um, okay. Uh, I can skip through some stuff, but yeah, the water breaks, the ticking I, clock. I, I wanted to just mention, because right, we're at the point where night falls, and there's something about yeah. this movie that I really love. We have a horror movie that they're not afraid of the dark. Like, the daughter stays mm. out at the, the son's grave until dusk without any concern, and only freaks out because she sees the fireworks. And I just I, yeah. I think that that's... We talk about how cool it is that we have a movie where silence is the important thing to keep, but we fail to talk about sometimes how cool it is to have a movie where they just kind of wander around in the dark. There's nothing scary about that. And I think that speaks right. to more the rural, the rural people as well. Like, I mean, when I go back to my wife's hometown, hometown of less than 1,000 people for probably 15, 20 miles all the way around with nobody around, like – there, there is that of just like no, it's like one o'clock in the morning. Like let's just go on a walk. It's like well, what do you mean go on a walk? There's, there's killers out there. I, just, I don't think we can... even more in this movie. The dark should be even safer than it is now, right? Oh, that's there's a good no point. predators out there. They're all eaten. There's nobody else out there. Oh, that is a good point. Yeah, that it's it's an excellent point. In this, it kind of subverts the whole light and darkness and and frightening nature of light or absence thereof. Instead, it's silence is safe and noise is unsafe so don't even worry about how light or dark it is yeah that's a great point mm -hmm. uh, and and yeah just as night descends though it, it it is you know they do kind of stick with the themes a little bit um that kind of attacks our subconscious because as it gets sure. dark you know the water breaks boom that ticking clock just accelerated it's it's like when you cut the wrong wire and 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 you know the time starts speeding up towards zero on the bomb yep. that's what happened when the water broke <laughs> and then and then yeah for me the the worst part of the movie by far as far as cringe and that is her going down the steps and stepping right on that nail uh, <laughs> uh, which i just I have a hard time watching that entire scene. I think even in the movie theater, I looked away. I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm just, I'm okay. I'm fine. <laughs> uh, because I'm one of those weird, <laughs> well, I'm one of those weird people who, like, I'm more scared of falling off the fourth floor than I am the 80th. Because the 80th floor, like, I'm, you know, I'm pizza. I'm gone. I'm not going to feel a thing. <laughs> you know? But the fourth floor, like, I'm going to, you know, it's it's like that scene from uh, Batman where uh, Julia Roberts' brother breaks his, his kneecaps, you know, when he, oh, when he lands because yeah. he's just high enough. That's what's scary <laughs> to me. Um, and so in this, in this instance, like, man, if you've ever had foot pain, like this is, mm -hmm. this is, this is something else. If you've ever stepped but... on a Lego, ever, anyone is just like, no, 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 that's like 500 <laughs> Legos. It's like three Legos. Oh. And this, but this, this is where Emily earns any trophies she gets because like she's in labor pains. She's just stepped on a nail and she's trying to be silent because murder, death, kill monster is like lurking. Um, and then like they, they also do the, the, is this where, where he goes underwater or is that later? I don't even remember. Um, but that's a whole nother thing. Like anybody who's ever been afraid of like what's under your boat or when you're out in the ocean, what's swimming underneath you or in a lake, you know, and this is, 
this, this thing is underneath the water and you're just sitting there. That's, that's freaky as heck. Um, okay. So then not only did they do a great job with the way that we have the absence of sound with the daughter, but they also do a great job with the sound of what, what this creature hears, mm -hmm. which really kind of drives it home a little bit for later for the payoff. Um, which by the way is a lot more elegant than another film that I like despite itself, which is Signs. Um, you know, where they keep <laughs> showing about glasses that of last week too. Yes, okay. We do. Where they keep showing glasses of water the entire film, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a little bit more elegant than that, I, I would argue. Um, and uh, okay, so so Loading the shotgun in the blanket you mentioned, the fireworks distraction, man, that's awesome. And anybody who's like, where'd they get the fireworks? You've never been in a rural community, have you? Uh, <laughs> so I did see in the trivia section IMDb, if you do the math, the movie, the, the, the invasion day one is like right after July 4th. Ah, oh, So nice. it makes sense. It works. Cool. I was just going to say, I mean, I've, my family are all farming folks, so, you, you know. You've always got shotgun shells. And you... <laughs> well, you know that sweet. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if you've ever driven to Albuquerque, but uh, you know that sweet spot right when you're crossing the border. It's all of a sudden it's like discount fireworks tents, black cats, phantom fireworks, like all galore right on the border of Arizona to New Mexico. Okay, so the um, <laughs> the, the uh, mattress they pull over the door. Um, I will say I was really hoping that was like a straight up Tempur-Pedic because it needed to be real thick to keep any sound from getting out. But, um, you know, I'll allow it, whatever. Um, and the baby's going to need some serious claustrophobia counseling later in life um, <laughs> after being put in the box with the little, the little mask over its face. But, yeah. um, okay. So back, back to the really good stuff though. This is another thing that I think is really common and, and I'm sorry, but I, I just think it's a really common thing. There's the scene um, when they're down in the bunker, you know, and the kids aren't there. And the husband's primary concern is his wife. And the wife's primary concern is the children. Mm -hmm. And mm, sure. that's, I, I heard in a talk a long time ago um, at some like men's conference or something. And it was like, guys, your whole job is like, if, if your family falls into the water, swim after your wife. And then your wife is going to say, what the heck are you doing? Go get the kids. You know, <laughs> that's kind of the way that it, it naturally works. And it was so, I don't know, it was so beautifully reflected there. Um, and then there's just that accurate depiction of everyone taking blame after a catastrophic loss. Yeah. You know, the everybody thought it was their fault on some level, which is, as somebody who suffered catastrophic loss, that's, that's something that actually happens. Um, every person finds a way to make it their fault. Um, it, and maybe it's because it's easier when it's your fault than if it's somebody else's. I don't know. I think um, you try to take out the way you try to take it off of somebody else's shoulders by finding ways that it could be your fault. I think is, at least in my experience, that has been what it is. Um, you know, and she had the excuse of you know her hands were free, and his was that I think his, wasn't his that she uh, was it his or hers that. The, the child was so far away but they all it, it, you are correct in what you're saying David I think that every, especially because their marriage is so rock solid they're each trying to find a way to make it their fault so the other person doesn't have to suffer yeah mm -hmm. okay we're, we're, we're pretty heavy right now so I'll, I'll, I'll lighten it up a little bit we finally solved the mystery uh, from the movie Titanic in the next scene what? Um, <laughs> yeah uh, they're, they're in the corn silo and they're drowning in corn, and then they they both fit on the metal thing. Um, so neither of them has to die. It's true. Oh, yeah. It's true. So um, somebody better tell Jack because it's, it's getting cold. It's getting cold. Yeah, that drowning in corn, another nightmare they decided to throw in the whole thing. You know, <laughs> that's a genuinely scary situation. I mean, that was way scarier than any any uh, quicksand scene in a movie. Yeah. 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 Um, and okay. So, uh, I do like in a warped sort of way, sorry, um, that we're getting to the part of the sacrifice, the father's sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And as the creature murder, death, kill creature jumps on top of him, he takes a swing, but he's too slow. The swing doesn't matter. He's not fast enough. And that establishes kind of the reason for 
you know, laying down the bat later, it's not going to matter and he knows it. So they've kind of set that up um, that you realize he can't swing fast enough to beat this thing back if it's coming at him. Um, of course, then they bring up the music and he signs, um, you know, I have always loved you. Mm-hmm. And um, again, this is a good humanity test. Like if, if you're trying to figure out whether or not Harrison Ford is, is a human being or not, sitting next to you in the movie theater, if he's not moved at the scene, um, you're going to realize, like, he's, he's, you know, he's a robot. He died he's in his real. seat. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, can we go on the record and say Cinema Gush's position is Harrison Ford is not a replica? <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, that's good. It's, it's, I'm just a guest here. No, um, no I mean, you're, hey, I mean, I mean, that sequence, dude, I had tears in my eyes. Like, I loved you. I have always loved you. And that emphasis on all, like, the roundabout way with his hands, just, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's it. I'm done for the day. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It, which, Such a, I, mean, I mean, great performance. And it goes back to the, the sacrifice of a father. You know, if we can't protect them, who are we? The line that she said just a little bit earlier. Oh, that's right. Um, just then, dawn breaks, um, and the daughter finally goes downstairs and sees that he has indeed always loved her, um, sees how much work he's put into everything, which just leads into the closing, you know, the, the, the closing showdown where Annie Oakley um, gets her gun <laughs> and um, works together with, with the daughter. And um, it's just, it's so natural and organic it doesn't feel like there's any kind of weird message that they're trying to send or or anything it's just it's just two very well written and well acted um ladies who are just making this scene work so well and wrapping up this movie so perfectly with a you know with a shotgun and um Man, I, I love they had the the guts to just cut to black right there. It's so it's such a great moment. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think initially my thought was, well, first I'll say this: when uh, the son and the daughter came running down the stairs, uh, I went <laughs> right when they passed the nail on the floorboard, which you can still see in the shot. Yep. Um, yep. but I, my nitpick was going to be, I feel like this movie ended right when it needed it, like another minute. But then again, like the solution is there is. You know, the whole movie, what's their weakness? Their body is like armor, all those different things on the whiteboard. Well, they found the weakness. They have a solution. We can assume the rest. So we don't need those extra minutes. So my mm-hmm. one nitpick is no longer a nitpick at all. Yeah. I love that they do it that way. I Me think, too. I mean, more time would have almost weakened it. It's like they're united together as a front, as a family. They have the solution. Boom. Got to black. They, they, yeah, they, they, uh, crank it up to 11 you know yeah, there you go <laughs> the, the the i mean the only thing in reality she'd probably be scrambling for more shotgun shells because she knows she's gonna need a few but you know it was still pretty uh ba that she just stood there and was like bring it <laughs> well more um, and daddy later here we go yeah as soon as so, i watched that i went to see how much it cost to buy uh Edge of Tomorrow, just because Emily Blunt being a badass with guns. Have you guys seen that movie? <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. yeah. I repeat. Mm-hmm. So, Life is not. Um, that is that is my my film, and I absolutely love it. And I defy movie. anyone to argue with me. I will take you on. Excellent. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. <laughs> we heard it here, angry Reddit uh, basement dwellers. Like, if you want to go after David, you go for it. And we will all have his back. Uh, David, nice. I need from you a number between 1 and 523. Okay, I'm going to go with um, 14. Right. Yeah, 214. Number 214 is Bruce Powell, who was a digital artist on this movie. Let's go ahead and take a look at Bruce over here. Um... Do, 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 do. Bruce Powell. What did you do, Bruce? Bruce, oh gosh. Bruce worked on Pacific Rim. He worked on Deep Impact, Captain Marvel, Battleship. Ooh. He's got 46 credits alone in visual effects. He worked on Avengers, Jurassic World, uh, Transformers Age of Extinction, got... The Great Gatsby. He's got... Say what you will about wow. some of those movies. They're all gorgeous movies. Oh my gosh. Yeah. His first movie that he worked on was lead digital artist. Was The Nightmare Before Christmas? Huh. Oh. Bruce, you've had a great career. You did the Mummy, you did Phantom uh, Galaxy Quest. Minutes, yeah. 
Let me returns. Wow. Nick meant to this say you are having a movies. great career. You're not he, done yet. You're right. He's not, yeah, he's <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Uh, he did Bumblebee recently and Captain Marvel, Wrinkle in Time, Thor Ragnarok. Yes, Thor Ragnarok. That, oh. that first Pacific Rim, to me, some of the, those digital effects are some of the best that Hollywood's ever turned out. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, so I think he works at ILM because he's got ILM a ton all over his credits yeah. here. Uh, did Rango, which is also a very underrated film. Um, wow, and a whole bunch of the Harry Potter movies. So, Bruce, dude, if the, you somehow hear this, which I'm 99% sure that you won't, thank you so much for working on A Quiet Place, man. Like, I really feel like your talents like genuinely helped elevate this movie. So, dude, thank you for working on this movie. You freaking rock. You, we we got to take it a second further and say thank you for working on half of my favorite movies. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, we talked about Armageddon, but boom, I mean, here's Deep wow. Impact. Wow. Excellent. So many good movies in this list. There's a lot of goodness in here, in this list. He's having a great, he, um, he's having a great career. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, Bruce. We, we appreciate follow you. your career with vigor. <laughs> with great interest. Uh, let's see. So now, if you don't mind picking a number between one and three. Uh, three. Three. Well. There's three of three, us. You know what three is. <laughs> Could you please nice. say something nice about The Happening? Say something nice. Oh, The Happening. Let's see. One of your uh, least favorite movies, if I recall from our pre-conversation. This, this is absolutely 100% one of my least favorite movies. No, uh, ma'am, it's for... not. What? No, I was just... <laughs> no, ma'am. No, oh, ma'am, I'm we're sorry, not. I'm not. I'm not supposed to say bad things about it. Am oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Say, say something, something nice. Something nice. Say, so, yeah, say something nice. Just, okay. just something positive. Um, you know, there's there's a scene where, for absolutely no earthly reason, they're walking across a field instead of down a road. Um, I, they don't explain it. I don't know where they're going. They're just going through a field. And the field is beautiful in that it is reminiscent of Russell Crowe's fingertips touching the top of oh, a field as he's gladiator. walking in Gladiator. And that memory... Um, was a great distraction. Um, <laughs> and so I absolutely love that shot of the field in the happening. Oh, um, and yep. I don't know why yep. they were there. And um, yeah. And then they ran from the wind. Um, <laughs> they were gone. It, with and the so wind, there, yeah. that was, that was action packed. There was suspense as they were running from the wind because that's always worked. Um, yeah. yeah, so yeah that was the and then there was a twist because the wind didn't kill them. Um, so yeah. there's three because things that are great about the happening. The trees are good now. And I did not even mention um, the surpassing uh, thespian work of Marky Mark. So <laughs> there you go. I'm just pleased hey, that Turk that... from Scrubs is in it. That's all I'll give credit to. But... I'm uh, I I this conversation has convinced me I need to rewatch that. Ironically, I apologize. I have to rewatch it. I'm sorry for the damage I've done. I've blocked out that movie from memory because I did see it in theaters. But the one thing I do remember is like at one point towards the very end, the kid is putting on a backpack and it says Avatar The Last Airbender on it. And I just thought, you're going to mess that up too, aren't you? Like that was just the only thing I Can think I, of. Okay, I, I need to share. We, last week we were talking about favorite theater moments. I need to share my last Airbender oh, theater please, moment. Oh, please, please. So, because we're talking Shyamalan, the best moment I've ever experienced, bar none in a movie theater, literally bar none. This is my favorite moment. Wow. It's about a thir- two-thirds of the way through The Last Airbender. A five-year-old boy stands up, turns to his dad, says, come on, dad, let's go home. This movie's dumb. And then the <laughs> two of them leave. <laughs> oh, glorious. Shyamalan has lost the five-year-olds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's something to that man mm. Uh, mm. all right well final question for you david uh we always like to ask our guests you know what 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 are you consuming right now what movies what tv shows what books what audiobooks what podcasts what anything related to media are you thoroughly enjoying right now Ooh. okay um i let's see i just watched the dig on netflix oh how is um, that i i loved it um, and it could not be more different than all the movies we're discussing today. There's no ap- apocalypse involved. Um, it's just a beautiful piece of cinema. It's a film that not only has 
if I if I gave you the log line, you'd be like, why in the world would I ever want to go see that film? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is in, engrossing. So don't even read the description. Just watch the thing. Okay. The other challenge I would give to you is hold the remote control in your hand and press pause at virtually any point of the entire film and it looks like something you could frame and put on your wall which is uh, pretty incredible um so that that that's pretty cool um i've been i just recently finally got around to reading uh dark matter by blake crouch which is an absolutely fantastic um in think of like uh, michael crichton in his prime book sold love Um, dark matter Dark Matter, yeah. We talked about Crichton last week too. It was a, it was a, it was a bestseller. Uh, Crichton's my all-time favorite, so anything I find same. That, that's what that's got me of, into both science and reading. Yeah. Okay. Anything you find that's kind of along those lines, and and I just encourage you to stick to the end because it's it. Um, I don't. I really don't want to say anything about it. Um, I've read a few of his other things, and and that's that's. There's a reason that one has sold so much. Awesome. Um, and then, as far as television shows, honestly, my my wife and I are watching a show. It's called like Blown Away or something like that, and it's just a glass blowing reality competition. So oh, wow. oh yeah, no, I've watched some of that. That's great yeah. stuff. That's cool. That's that the, is great stuff. We're very tired, and we just need to look at pretty things before we go to sleep. So yeah, um, that's kind and of and fascinating art- artistry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The TV, the movie, and the book. There you go. Excellent, Brendan. How about you? So yeah, I haven't consumed as much as I. I feel like I'm forgetting something. We did. Um, we watched. Did you ever see in 2010 Life in a Day? No, it's a documentary. It's where everybody over the course of one day across the world, there's a you could film something and submit it, and they edit it into a movie. And it's not got a narrative. It's just people oh. around the world from every perspective you could imagine, taking videos and sending it in. And they did one in July of this year. It's on YouTube. It's free. It's uh great it's great but hmm. i recommend it i mean it's one of the you can almost turn it on the background it'll suck you and you'll sit down and watch it um my uh wife was sick with an infection because my son was not eating well and because he had two ear infections so hmm. we were going crazy this weekend and busy and i was taking care of the other three kids and i just could not get them to calm down so i turned on aquaman <laughs> <laughs> now i've i saw it in theaters and i stand by even more so that I think it's a bad movie, but man, it's a fun movie. Yeah, <laughs> who's, dude. Who's the who's the um, uh, antagonist in that? What's the actor's name? I can't remember. Patrick. Uh, yeah, Patrick Wilson. Is that it? Or yes. Patrick? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He has the most deliriously fun time overacting in that film. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why I love it. I don't think it's a good movie, but it is a great time of just. I mean, it is a sugar rush of color. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I haven't watched this, but I've been doing a lot of research on it because it's fast becoming one of my favorite movies. Have either of you seen In the Mood for Love? No. No. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. It's, uh, it's directed by, uh, oh, I'm going to get a butcher's name, Song Karwai. Uh, give me a second. It's a Hong Kong film by Karwai Wong. Karwai Wong. And I strongly recommend it. It's been, I've been watching. Um, documentaries on it on youtube the amando released the vinyl soundtrack i'm thinking about grabbing that that came out today but this is so hear me out here this may be the most erotic movie i have ever seen that i would let my six-year-old watch oh wow like uh, if you, you know, go to the that... imdb of parental guides it's none 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 they smoke none <laughs> right <laughs> but oh. It's one of the most gorgeous films ever put to celluloid. I, it's it's artsy and slow, and I adore it. And it's good. It's very good. That's like just thinking that quote. The most erotic film I would let my how old six year old six year old. I'd let any of my kids watch it. It's they wouldn't to, enjoy it. They find it boring. The quote needs to go on the movie poster. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I think I think it, we can make that work. People we can make that work. Their neighbors and their spouses are having an affair with each other, and so they slowly fall in love, but don't want to do anything wrong because they're mad at their spouses, and it's great. It's great. It's it's very good. 
Wow. It, it, it's when I say that I mean that as a compliment. They build the sexual <laughs> tension without ever going too far. Or I I I adore it. This does what I don't think any mm. movie has ever ever done what it's done so well. Well, as for me, um, I was not planning on this. I didn't expect this to happen. But YouTube, in its algorithmic strangeness, recommended that I watch something called the Big Fat Quiz. Do you guys know what that is? No, no. It's something that they do in the BBC uh, on Christmas every year, and it's um, they have a bunch of comedians um, on a panel. So there'll be three teams of two, and then Jimmy Carr is the host, and he just asks them questions about stuff that happened in the year, and they write them down. And there's different rounds, like there's rounds about movies and music and headlines and politics and different things like that. And I, I just was binging through all of them because it's got Moss from the IT crowd in almost every single one of them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so is um, uh, Richmond from the IT crowd, and I just I, I what's his name? Because Noel. The YouTube algorithm got me watching not Noel uh, Moss. Um, Richard Io 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 Io. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Because YouTube got me watching Gadget Man, which is him hosting people. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've I've been doing that too while I work. So so I would highly recommend uh, the Big Fat Quiz to you guys. Um, there, I will say okay. that there is absolutely no language barriers on BBC. I that I I have ever heard. They cuss like crazy. Um, but I was laughing to the point of tears several times over. Um, so that popped out of nowhere. Um, the audiobook that I'm reading right now is called The Promise of Blood. It's from one of Brandon Sanderson's students, um, and his name is Brian McClellan, I believe. Um, and it's a really, really good, like, steampunk uh, book about, uh, like, a detective in the middle of a military coup. And it's, it's, it completely caught me off guard. Um, but the cover is one of the absolute coolest book covers I've ever seen ever. So I'm really enjoying this book. Um, and then as mentioned earlier, I, I am enjoying, uh, the Bible in the Year podcast by Father Mike Schmitz. And I think anybody, uh, I think everybody should listen to it. So that's all I got. Brennan, your I thoughts? I don't know if you can hear, but there's my children. <laughs> Excellent. Well, then we'll wrap this one up. David, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. Real quick, man. What is the title of your book? Can you give us a log line and when is it coming out so that we can get it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Skull Valley is the name of it. And uh, the, the short version is there's a 17-year-old kid who's bitter at his recently deceased father because he spent all of the family's money and uh, social equity on basically becoming that family at the end of the road that's prepping for every possible disaster. And then he just went and died. Um, so it seems pretty, um, pretty you know, like stupid of the dad until... All power goes out, all electricity stops working, all complicated electronics stop working, and suddenly that 17-year-old kid is the best-equipped kid in town to save said town. Nice. Um, It's going to be available uh, within the next few months. We're just doing some final uh, final little stuff on it to make it all nice and pretty for everybody. Um, But you'll be able to keep up to date on it on davidmartinlins.com or pretty much look for David Martin Lins on any social network and you'll find awesome excellent we'll put it in the show notes thanks again for being on david we'll definitely have to have you on again soon everybody have yourself a wonderful day and we'll see you in the next one bye guys bye bye